This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about the structured settlement industry from the experts in the know. Ringler Associates, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years and the only broker you need. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, The Hartford, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, welcome everyone to Ringler Radio. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations and your host here on Ringler Radio. Well, today we're going to be talking about a very important topic. It's the topic around health care reform and really how it affects uh, lawyers. We're going to look at health care reform from the perspective of the legal community. And to help me do that, I'd like to welcome my uh, colleague from Chicago, Don Engels. Don's an associate in our Chicago office and has almost 20 years of experience in insurance, financial planning, and structured settlement. So welcome back to Ringler Radio, Don. Thank you, Larry. Uh, and also joining us today is our special guest, Philip H. Corboy Jr., better known as Flip, who's a partner in the legendary firm of Corboy and Demetrio out in Chicago. Uh, Flip's practice centers on representing plaintiffs in many types of serious injury matters. He's the immediate past president of the Illinois Trial Lawyers Association and a member of the American Association for Justice, where he served on its National Board of Governors. Flip, welcome to Ringler Radio. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. I'm well, looking forward to this. It's special to have you here, Flip. You know, we're going to talk about health care reform, and before we even start, you know, Flip, one of the issues that's always mentioned around the need for health care reform is the high cost associated with defensive medicine caused by, you know, the basically the medical malpractice litigation scenario. You hear that all the time. Uh, can you speak to that? Is that is that is that a, a bogeyman here? What what what's the truth about that issue? It is a bogeyman, and we have to remember that um, the American population is aging. We've had a lot of advances and a lot of technology that is expensive. Hospitals love these new pieces of equipment because they can bill out. That's the purpose in having them in the hospitals in the first place. Um, we're also a very rich nation. Despite the fact that we're going through a crisis right now, and for a lot of people there doesn't seem to be a uh, light at the end of the tunnel, at least in the near term, um, the fact is, relatively speaking, we are still the richest country in the world. And you got to remember that the richer you get, the more money you spend on health care. We spend a disproportionate amount of money on health care in this country than any other country, but we also have probably some of the healthiest and some of the oldest people in our country. And compared to all these other countries, we also have incredibly high heavy administrative costs from the private insurance system. That's been identified as one of the main reasons why there's health care reform being debated in Washington as we speak. If we could get the administrative costs down, and I mean really down, you'll see that there's going to be incredible health care savings, which will at some point, I believe, mean that this health care reform that the president and the Democrats are trying to push will be validated as very successful generations down the line. You have to remember, health care reform has been tried from everybody um, 
Johnson, Kennedy, Nixon, Clinton, Bush won. Carter yeah, to a certain right. respect. And as a result, nobody's been able to do it. This is the first time it looks like it's going to be done. Now, I was talking, when you were talking about defensive medicine, I've got some statistics for you. In 1996, there was a study in Florida that found that defensive medicine costs could be as high as 5 to 7%. That's, you know, we were talking about 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. But when the same authors then went back a few years later, they found that managed care, properly managed care, had brought it down between 2.5 and 3.5, so about 3% of the total health care costs. That's incredible. That shows you that if the system is managed correctly, the numbers will come down exponentially. In this case, they were almost halved. And when I hear doctors, when I go out with my wife and we're, we're in social occasions, and I hear doctors come up to me and just talk about how much defensive medicine they have to practice. And then I hear the president saying that, Doctors that he has been uh, corresponding with during this whole process have gotten his ear about defensive medicine being practiced. I remind him that these huge hospitals like Northwestern Memorial here in Chicago, which cost over a billion dollars to make, and which is this gleaming palace right off of Michigan Avenue on the near north side of Chicago, they have floors and floors and floors of diagnostic equipment. Doctors love using them. Hospitals love using them. Why? Not only do they keep their patients healthier, but they can also charge proportionally for them. Don't let anybody kid you that defensive medicine is responsible for higher malpractice costs. We know there are a lot of a lot of issues, like you just mentioned, uh, the, the you know the plethora of these MRIs and, and and what's going on and the machines. And you're right. I mean, a lot of it is uh, some there's some profit driven elements of all of that. Let's start out today uh, discussing what the debate is around healthcare reform. Tell me about how the legal profession is looking at healthcare reform. What are you, what is, what are you backing as a group or as a, as whether it's American association for justice or just generally speaking, what would lawyers like to see in healthcare reform? Well, if by lawyers, you mean litigation attorneys? Yeah, let's, let's talk you know, about, let's talk all, about all the, sorts of lawyers. Yeah, let's talk about the plaintiff bar. Let's talk about the plaintiff okay. bar first. Plaintiff's bar is, is on record as saying, get rid of malpractice and you'll get rid of the malpractice litigation industry. 98,000 deaths have been chronicled per year over the last couple of years by a study that was put together in conjunction with the um, Institute of Medicine and Harvard University. That's 98,000 unnecessary, preventable deaths that every look into by every expert is capable of being a malpractice case. Mm-hmm. Yet only apparently, according to another survey, 4% of malpractice cases result in malpractice, malpractice, um, malpracticing actions by the doctors result in actual malpractice litigation. Why is that? People don't go to lawyers ordinarily when there's been a bad result. If the doctors were, were smart, and most of them are, I've always reminded them that if you just had a better touchy-feely or a better bedside manner with these patients, they won't be coming to people like me and lawyers in my law firm. Mm-hmm. So get rid of the malpractice. Approach patients as real people, 
not just numbers that you can talk about at the end of the year that you've operated on or that you've taken control of their care and treatment. And I promise you, malpractice litigation will decline precipitously. As an organization, AAJ, which I'm intimately involved, um, we really haven't taken a position on health care other than we want nothing to do with the so-called tort reform, which is um, a multi-hued animal <laughs> that has been discussed but so far successfully kept out of both the health, uh, the Senate bill and the House bill uh, that are currently being worked on in Washington, D.C. We don't know what's going to happen. Right. Uh, strange things happen in Washington, D.C. We may wake up and, and find out that health care legislation has been put into the final piece of legislation at 4 o'clock in the morning as they're getting ready to sign it and send it over to the president so he can sign the law by 11 o'clock in the morning. We're going to talk about that tort reform and how that would impact in a, in a few minutes. Uh, Don has a question, though. You know, do you, do you see uh, Flip the uh, health care reform, or can, can you really tell if or how that would affect, you know, people that, uh, that are injured by medical malpractice? Well, sure. If you make it much more difficult for people to have access to the courtrooms of America, the same court which, which guaranteed via the Seventh Amendment that there should be the right to file a grievance if you've been wronged, then there's going to be fewer malpractice cases. And, and, and let's not sugarcoat this. If there is tort reform in any way, shape, or form in any of the legislative packages that end up being passed into law, there will probably, by definition, be fewer malpractice cases. Will that be good for society? Absolutely not, because what you're doing is taking away access to the court that's guaranteed by the United States Constitution. And what does that mean about our country? When we tell those people who have been hurt through the negligence of other people, hurt due to nobody else's, due to nothing that they've done, what does that tell us as a country how we're supposed to take care of those people in a time of need, such as when they need it most. Well, what about uh, the, the area of medical malpractice caps, you know, the caps on, uh, sure. on, on damages? How do, you, how do you deal with those, those issues of, of the, the proposals on caps? And I think there's something going on in Illinois right now around caps. What's going on, and, and, and how, do you, how do you look at the cap scenario? Let me tell you what we're doing here in Illinois. We have currently pending before our Illinois Supreme Court a case by the name of LeBron versus Gottlieb Hospital. LeBron involves a, a young girl who now is about four and a half years, five years old. She was um, delivered at Gottlieb Hospital on the west side of Chicago, and when she was born, the resulting birth resulted in her profound, profound brain damage which the lawyers who represent her family allege were due to the negligence of the OB-GYN and the attending physicians surrounding him um, as a result of negligence. That case occurred after there had been medical malpractice caps on non-economic awards here in the state of Illinois. And so as a result, the appeal in that case was tailored around the unconstitutionality of the caps that were put in place back in uh, 2005 by our legislature and our governor. Arguments were heard up and down the trial appellate and, I'm sorry, the trial and the Supreme Court level, and we're waiting any day now, literally, 
because it's been over a year since the argument before the Supreme Court. We're uh, waiting uh, excitedly about uh, what the Supreme Court has to say on it. If the Supreme Court is consistent with two previous assaults on the civil justice system, one in 1975 and one in, I'm sorry, uh, one in 1975 and one in 1995, they will find these caps unconstitutional under the Illinois and the United States Constitution. We're waiting to see. So what do you, what do you, you expect? I'm sorry. I'm going to say, what do you expect to happen? Let's assume that they find them unconstitutional. Will there be a move afoot to try to reinstate them again? I mean, it seems to be coming in 75 and 95 and even potentially now. Will the legislature try to reinstate them? Is that the, the current mood? I would mood? hope not. I mean, how many times do you have to have the almost identical legislation slapped down by your very own Supreme Court because legislation is unconstitutional before you just say, okay, fine, we get the message. But Tory Forum has become a cottage industry with the insurance industries and corporations and pharmaceutical companies and auto companies. They, the Chamber of Commerce to, uh, can devote <laughs> and so much money to the concept of tort reform and obstructing the civil justice system every year. So would I like to see it go away forever? Sure. Do I expect it to go away forever? No. It's just that money drives the argument. And plaintiff's attorneys obviously will never be able to compete with the Chamber of Commerce of the United States when it comes to money spent on defending their actions legislatively. We just have to rely upon good law, good argument, and good clients. That's all. Give us those three, and we'll win the debate every single time. Interesting. Don? It'll be interesting to see how that, uh, how that comes out. Flip, we uh, talked about this a, a little bit at the, uh, at the beginning, but just going back to the, uh, to the health insurance industry, as far as uh, a, a lot of people have said that one of the, one of the reasons for the health care costs going so high is due to the health insurance industry's profits and their need to, and their need to make a profit. Any, any thoughts on that? And this if the is reform... America. This is America. I don't have anybody... I don't have any problems with anybody, corporate entity or individual, making profits. But to make profits, as the insurance industry has said that they and admitted they have made over the last 10 and 20 years, and then claim that they're having problems making money because of the civil justice system <laughs> and the outrageous, quote-unquote, outrageous awards that are being given out regularly by juries throughout the country, is so disingenuous. I can, show, I can show you and cite to statistics that insurance companies are doing wonderfully, always have and always will. Part of the medical malpractice bill that was passed in 2005 here in Illinois that's the subject of the LeBron case that we were talking about earlier also had in it some serious insurance industry reforms attached to it. And what that did was, as of 2005, was require all the insurance companies that are writing medical malpractice liability insurance, uh, most notably um, the Illinois State Mutual Insurance Exchange, commonly known as ISME. Mm -hmm. They represented, I think, back in uh, 2005, about 66% of the practicing physicians in Illinois. They wrote a vast amount, a vastly um, uh, disproportionate amount of insurance coverage for the doctors than even um, 
I think, any other company in the United States. They had to open up their books. As a result, we have a, I, I've been told something like five or six companies now writing more insurance for physicians in the state of Illinois that didn't want to come in prior to 2005 because ISME and a few other companies basically had the entire market, and since they didn't up until that point have to open up their books mm. as of the current law, the law prior to 2005, they were able to keep all their secrets secrets. <laughs> they didn't have to talk about their profits. They didn't have to um, provide who they were selling to, how much they were selling, how much the premiums were that were being paid. And once these other companies came into Illinois in 2005 and got a chance to take a look at the books that were now required under the law, they said, wow, this is an unbelievable marketplace. All these physicians, then they're getting basically screwed by their insurance companies because they're paying way too much, much more than they need to. So they've jumped into the business. Malpractice premiums have now gone down because of this increased competition. And competition, as we all know, drives prices coming down and being much more in line with what they really should be. When you have basically a, um, a one company writing almost all the insurance in one, co- one state, you can understand why the premiums were as high as they were. Well, no question. And, you know, one of the reasons that some of the private insurers are concerned about this new health care reform is this concept of the public option as, as being in, in the bill, this public option as, as an alternative to private insurance. What do you feel about the, uh, how do you feel about the public option? What's your opinion about the public option well, in the healthcare uh, scenario? Taking off my lawyer hat and yeah. putting on my trying to be a good citizen's cap. Uh, I'm in a good position. I, I, I work for a company that does well. My law firm is successful. And so we have a wonderful insurance program for the attorneys and our staff here. And as a result, my family is safe. But as we all know from the arguments, there's 47 million Americans out there who are not insured. And something's got to be done to take care of them. And some of them are going to be, uh, they're going to continue on the uh, unemployment rolls, even in the best of economies. And something needs to be taken care of them. Something needs to be done to make sure that when they have catastrophic illnesses, which they eventually do, as a matter of fact, they probably get them more frequently than people who are educated, employed, and, and, and basically, you know, healthier models, um, something's got to be done in order to provide them medical care and treatment. Mm-hmm. If we have a public option, which I thought was supposed to have been done as part of the argument during the presidential election, what I believe will happen is these people, the vast majority of them will get medical coverage because they'll have insurance coverage, and it'll drive down the prices for private insurance because there'll be all sorts of competitive balances in play. I'm not an economist, and I can't talk about the subtleties and the nuances, especially when we're talking about billions and especially trillions of dollars. Mm -hmm. But if we just take a look at from simple economics 101, again, should there be competition out there for the health care insurers, you know the premiums are going to come down. Should the premiums come down, we know health care costs are going to come down as well. It's all part and parcel of the same package. I personally, as a, as a citizen, again, taking off my attorney's cap, as a citizen, I hope public option is included in the strongest terms possible. We owe it to those people. How we take care of our aged, our infirmed, our old, and our youth 
is really how we're going to base ourselves as a society when all is said and done. Well, Flip, it all comes back to competition. I think it's, you've been stressing that all, all along the way, and I think you're right. I think competition does breed lower prices and uh, better pricing and, and better choices, and uh, I think that's what we're all looking for here for sure. Well, let's take a quick break right now, and we'll be back in a minute with our special guest, Flip Corboy, and my colleague, Don Engels. We'll be right back. This is Ringler Radio. Legal information, trends, and topics from Ringler Associates, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Experience counts. Over 140,000 cases structured. This is Ringler Radio from Ringler Associates, placing more than $20 billion in structures over the past 30 years, and one of the few companies that truly enjoys the trust of all parties in the settlement process. This is Ringler Radio, celebrating three years on the Legal Talk Network with topics important to the legal community. Did you know you could download Ringler Radio to your iPod? Just go to iTunes and subscribe to Ringler Radio. It's free. Did you know the number of listeners to Ringler Radio doubled in 2008? Thanks to our loyal listeners and welcome to all our new listeners as well. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you joined us. I've been joined by my colleague Don Engels from our Ringler office in Chicago. And of course, Flip Corboy, partner in the firm of Corboy and Demetrio out in Chicago, Illinois. Well, Don... Why don't you talk to Flip a little bit about the a very important issue of preventive medicine and diagnostics? Sure. Uh, you, you know, Flip, and uh, it, we talked about this a little bit before as well, but the uh, preventative medicine, you know, is really one of the answers to, to, to cutting health care costs. And you know, I think one of, the, one of the concerns with the health care, you know, reform is who's going to be calling the shots on preventative medicine and, and what, what gets done and when? Sure. Uh, and if I were a physician, uh, I might add I have a brother out in Denver who's a physician who's um, the head of the multiple sclerosis clinic, so I listen to him. And the last thing he wants to do is have some insurance executive or a government bureaucrat tell him what he is and isn't supposed to do under the care and treatment for his patients. Doctors have, you know... Uh, the ability to understand what is called for under most circumstances. And they have to make judgment decisions, you know, yes or no, black or white, what do we do in this particular situation? You don't want to confuse the situation by having a, an insurance person call you up and say, well, you know, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, or have a government bureaucrat do the same thing. But you got to remember, right now it sort of exists because when private insurance... Um, Patients are, are looking to have some work done that, that let's say, if it's something as necessary as, a, as an operation to do something, they have to get the permission from the insurance company, otherwise they're not going to be covered for the particular insurance, and that often dictates whether or not the patient's going to do it or not. Right. And that's a horrible system to, to take into account. You've got somebody sitting in an office maybe 800 miles away saying, well, you know, we've analyzed this, and uh, we just don't think that this is something that's necessary, so therefore we're not going to pay it. Sure, there are now appeals that are 
allowed under current law to, uh, you can take on the insurance company who uh, denies you coverage. But the fact of the matter is that's timely. And, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it takes a long time to get through the appeals process, and oftentimes patients can't wait. Um, well, you're right, you know, Flip, you're right about all that. And, you know, I've, I've seen, and I know Don has cases where, for example, uh, young patients have been denied bone marrow transplants because the bureaucrat said it wasn't, it was too cutting edge and they weren't going to permit it. And, and, and there's a lot of litigation coming out of that. But, but what really got to me recently was, uh, here's the American Cancer Society and doctors and, and, and the whole media of, of the med- of medical media talking for years trying to train women to go in and take mammograms to prevent the or, or to, to at least uh, have the early detection of breast cancer uh, possible to prevent, you know, death and, and, and sickness. And all of a sudden, now that the, you know, the costs are being talked about and all of this is, is on the table, you have a group saying, wait a minute now, maybe mammograms aren't quite as uh, effective. Maybe you should cut back on mammograms. It seems to be very a disingenuous report and, it, and it counterintuitive to what's been going on for years. Tell, talk, to, talk to us about that. Well, yeah, well, let's think about it. Um, you've got a situation here where there's two competing arguments about the use of mammograms, especially in women, and I think it's 40 and older. One group says, one train of thought is that you should have fewer than we've been expected over the last couple of years, and one says no. The current thought up to this point is fine. It shouldn't be troubled with. Poor doctors, they go into these situations, and they may not, you know, <laughs> they have a, a left brain and right brain that's saying two different things about what they should tell the patient. There's going to be mistakes made, obviously. And, again, I think you should leave the doctors to have their own mindsets and their own opinions on what they should do and should they make a mistake, which leads to a catastrophic injury. And it wasn't up to the prevailing standard of care that doctors in that area have, which is basically the standard in malpractice cases. Well, then the court system is there to help them out. But just like I'm not educated or trained in giving medical advice. <clears throat> I can tell you, these bureaucrats <laughs> certainly are almost less trained than I am. At least I'm in a business where I have to understand a lot of medicine, be able to talk to doctors professionally about cases, not just malpractice cases, but cases in general. So I sympathize with doctors that they have this, this burden that is just going to get more and more complicated as the system gets more and more complicated. And, I, and I'm hoping that... Um, we don't allow the insurance companies the right to dictate what is and what isn't good medicine in the years to come. Well, I think you, that's well put, Flip. And I think, uh, you know, between all of us here, I think as we look at this new bill coming down and what, what the implications are, I think one thing's for sure that litigation isn't going to stop. Uh, cases are still going to be uh, going to need the effective, uh, you know, l- legal scenario, legal, legal activity to uh, correct some wrongs and, and, and some, some horrible situations. So of course, yeah, we, no, no, malpractice is going to continue. Mm-hmm. The, the, the trick is to try to prevent a large percentage of the malpractice that just occurs day in and day out. Um, I see malpractice in the way lawyers conduct their business, and I'm not here to protect them. If they've conducted themselves and created malpractice as a result of, of bad law and bad lawyering, 
and some poor client has had to pay and has had to suffer as a result of it, then, you know, the courts are there to address these problems. We, we every now and then take on a legal malpractice case, and I have, I've had to sue people that I know. Mm-hmm. And I call them up and I just say, you know you made a mistake. And oftentimes they say, you're right. And I say, here's what we got to do about it. Contact your insurance company. The system is put in place in order to protect your former client, now my current client, and let's see what we can do to get this resolved. I'll be honest with you. The system works. <laughs> and if there's less cases of legal malpractice, I'm okay with that. If there's fewer cases of medical malpractice, I'm I'm happy with that as well. That means society as a whole is getting healthier and better. There's a lot. There are a lot of other areas you can make your uh, make your living at. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I've got enough business. I'm, I'm not looking for more business. There you go. It finds me. It finds my law firm. Well, if someone wants to find your law firm to give you that kind of new business, uh, how would they do that, Flip? Where do they go? Like everybody in the world, just go to the internet. Corboydemetrio.com. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> and. Uh, it's amazing when I started out in practice back in 1977 that uh, you know we, 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 we marketing law firms was uh, almost treated as an anathema. You just mm-hmm. didn't want to do it. It was unseemly. It was uh, you you associated it with with part of the uh, part of society that you know is constantly hawking things mm-hmm. and and trying to sell you stuff. Law firm was a profession that you were expected to succeed or fail on your own merits and. And you'd find clients because of your reputation and the contacts you have within the community. Mm-hmm. Well, now I can't tell you. We've got what I think is a pretty sophisticated website. It outlines the biographies of all the lawyers here and tells you what we're all about. It addresses and discusses all of our recent uh, cases that we've been involved in, and the type of cases that we, we think we can help people on. We can, we get some very large cases from people when we ask them, how'd you find us? Yeah. Now, why, well, how'd you find us uh, in Southern California? They said, we went on your website, and uh, we, we liked what we saw, and we did our homework following that. We looked up in, uh, in, in Lexus on court results, and we looked at the cases that you tried and found out you all did a wonderful job, and we'd like to hire you. That's the new world, Flip. That's the new world. I know. I love it. It's great. It certainly simplifies things, I'll be honest with you. Well, pretty soon you're going to get a Twitter that, that says, I want, <laughs> I want you to handle my case. Don- <laughs> my, my children do that, and yeah. I, I can't for a minute think that that would find its way into my professional day, but I said the same thing about blogging, and I was wrong there. (laughs) (laughs) You never know, Flip. You never know. Don, how would someone get a hold of you? We are in Chicago, uh, Ringler Associates. Phone number is 800-332-0427. Oh, and we have a website as well. There you go. RinglerAssociates.com. And on that website, RinglerAssociates.com, you can find any of the Ringler Associates around the country. Uh, I encourage you to look at the site. It's got a lot of information about structured settlements. And uh, it's even got our pictures in there, too, Flip. We're, we're there. That's cool. <laughs> so in the meantime, I want to thank you all for listening. Flip, thank you again for, uh, for joining us. It was terrific. Thanks, Larry. Now the rest of you, Don, thanks. Go out and have a great day, everyone. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. Ringler Associates, experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, The Hartford, Liberty Life, 
MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential.